Welcome to the Strike Mash Boil podcast presented by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. It's time for our first ever Christmas episode. This week we're going to talk about a homebrew advent calendar. That and more, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Strike Mash Boil. I'm Marco, president of Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil. Phil, we're uh, doing episode four today. Episode four, and it's Christmas. Uh, Happy Christmas. And, you know, the gift that keeps on giving this year, which is COVID, puts us into a place where we're going to be doing this virtually. First episode that we're doing virtual. Yeah, so we uh, we're not doing Zoom or anything. We actually went and, and spent some money on on some fancy podcast software. So hopefully the audio quality is uh, pretty good. But uh, getting into the show, we're gonna do kind of the same thing we always do. So we're gonna do a roundtable with our guests. Um, we're gonna taste a beer, though. That's gonna be a we got a little bit of a twist on our beer judge uh, this week, and then we're gonna talk about uh, the highlight of our clubs. Um, kind of annual calendar uh, or year, which is our homebrew advent calendar. Uh, So we're going to talk about how we do that and uh, give some ideas to any of our listeners out there who are also in some homebrew clubs who can maybe do that next year. All right. We got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right in. Uh, Joining us this week is Dana back again after a few weeks off. Dana, welcome back, bud. Hey, thanks, guys. And then we got uh, a first-timer for us is Sean Lucier, who's been uh, in the club for a while now. Sean, welcome. How's it going, guys? So before we get rolling, we're going to do uh, what's becoming a, a little bit of a tradition, some rapid-fire questions, get to know our guests a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to ask a question. First thing that pops into your head is your answer. All of it's related to uh, beer and brewing. Uh, so we'll start off uh, Dana and then Sean with your answers. Uh, most favorite beer style, Dana? <sighs> Ooh, um, Come on, man. Rapid fire. I know. It's a tough one. Uh, West Coast IPA. All right, Sean. Uh, definitely IPAs of all kinds. All right. Least favorite beer style. New England IPAs. Milkshake IPAs. <laughs> all right. Uh, favorite uh, brewing ingredient. Uh, has to be uh, two row. Canadian. Rice two-row. hulls. <laughs> rice hulls for sure. You love my rice hulls. I went with just generic on that one. I went I went specialty malts. All right. Least favorite uh, brewing ingredient? I'd have to say um, Brett, just because I don't really know how to use it. Not that I don't like it in beer, but for myself. I'll say special B because I've definitely gone way overboard and absolutely killed a beer with it before, so... So you, your favorite? Let hold on. We're gonna stop here. Yeah, we, we just we just oxymoroned it. Yeah, yeah. Your favorite ingredient is specialty malts, but your least favorite is a specialty malt. Yes, because it's a little goes a long way with that stuff, and I didn't know that, and it, it absolutely caught me off guard. Way to commit to not commit, Sean. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, favorite piece of uh, brewing equipment that you can't live without? A brew kettle. I like my uh, my X Tech thermometer. Piece of brewing equipment you think is overrated? Uh, conicals plate chiller all right uh dream piece of brewing equipment if money is not a factor uh if i could probably build out one of those like brutus tentile style systems you know with the the three you know the rollable three uh giant pots on a cart all propane fired as much as dana is going to disagree i'm going conicals with a glycol Don't so, it's so overrated sean <laughs> i know Good choice, though. Uh, what beer topic do you wish would just go away? New England IPAs. Milkshake IPAs. <laughs> I feel a trend here. Uh, what is your Desert Island beer? Ooh, Desert Island beer. I'd probably go with uh, Old Speckled Hen. Nice. Uh, good. Nice. Great one. This one. This one got me. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd go... Maybe just a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, just something clean and crisp and a little old school. Good choice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and when you aren't in the mood for a beer, what is your go-to cocktail? I don't really make cocktails. I'm not much of a uh, hard liquor guy, but if I'm somewhere and someone will make them, I do love like the Polynesian mixed drinks at like a Chinese food restaurant, Suffering Bastard, all that stuff. Uh, I'm not going to make one at home, though, but... 
<laughs> good tiki drinks. Yes. Uh, I'm going Mai Tai. I'm not Mai Tai. So you got me on Chinese <laughs> drinks now. Uh, margaritas. All right. Uh, frozen or on the rocks? On the rocks. There you go. Salt right. on the rim? Absolutely. boy. No, no salt on the rim. <laughs> Ruins the tequila. Come on, Philip. <laughs> you just got to add more tequila then. <laughs> True. All right. Well, so uh, this week for the roundtable, where obviously it's Christmas time, so we got to talk Christmas beers. Uh, so, guys, you know, we want to talk a little bit about what are the things we like, what are the things we don't like, what you brew, when you brew it, how to brew it. Um, so, let's let's just dive right in. Uh, let's let's start off. I'm curious. Um, you know, whether it's a homebrew or not, you can you know give yourself a pat on the back if you wanted to, but. Uh, What's your favorite Christmas beer? Let's get this going. Let's just start there. Your favorite Christmas beer? Um, pr- not because it's the best, but because it kind of has fond memories for me, and it's my first Christmas beer is the uh, Harpoon Winter Warmer. Is that, is that technically a Christmas beer? Uh, or does it just come out this time of year? Uh, I mean, yes and no, right? What technically makes a beer a Christmas beer? It's, it's spiced with cinnamon, nutmeg, um, and it comes out in the winter. Why did I? Why did I think their winter warmer was just a standard stout? Oh, Am no. I making that up? I think it's like a brown ale. Is the base? Yeah. Okay. All right. There's that. This is something that I actually have after you know thinking about it for a few minutes. Hey, I, I'm having a hard time with it. Um, I tend to think with the warmer weather coming, I'm going bigger and boozier. So I tend to lean towards my favorite being like like an old stock ale or a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot um, barley wine. Um, I'm not too big into the whole spice and beers and all that stuff. So it's okay a little bit, I guess, but this time of year, you have these, uh, you know, really interesting Belgian ales that come out, uh, and, and some of them I'll butcher their name. Like, uh, I think it's Le Chouf, Le Chouf, uh, and then also things like Mad Elf. Uh, I like how they, um, will have plays on Belgian quads or triples or, um, you know, where they're adding fruit, uh, usually the dark fruits to it. I, I just love this time of year because it's not about spices per se. It's about those unique yeast characters, some specialty malts, and then adding some interesting adjuncts like fruit and stuff that just make the beers really cool and interesting. Yeah, some of my favorites have been the Belgian doubles, Belgian quads. Um, the first time I ever had a Westy 12 uh, was uh, they did that sale, like a six-pack sale about, I don't know, um, eight, ten years ago. And uh, I got some a uh, couple days before Christmas. So the first one I ever had was on Christmas Eve. Uh, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I like a good Belgian um, darker beer. But I also like, um, <clears throat> and they don't make it anymore or very rarely, which is Night Shift's Bean Porter. That used to always be a November, December release the first few years. And that was a, a big Christmas beer for me, or at least a beer that I had at Christmas. Yeah, even because I was just going to ask, I mean, are, do we, are you equating a Christmas beer just with when a beer is released or if it's a beer that's brewed for Christmas? I think that's a uh, a personal preference it's at some point because uh, I know some people don't like their beers big. They don't like them dark. They don't like them heavy. Uh, when the cold weather rolls around, you know, we're in New England. That's that's what I look to. Um, are they? Do I think that they're all Christmas beers? Not necessarily, but uh, in the Christmas season, I tend to go for some spice. But yeah, quads. Barley wines, yep. box, you know, bigger and bigger and thicker. Something you could put in a snifter glass, sit down by the fireplace, and and just kind of, you know, it gets better as it warms up. It's not like a, a cold lager that's gonna, you know, not be so great as it warms up. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because for me, my least favorite beer styles. And, you know, this is going to, you know, this is the next part of what, what I'm curious from you guys is what your least favorite Christmas beers are. And for me, it's like, if, if I were ranking all my beers at the bottom is going to be either an Imperial Stout or a Barley Wine. Those are my two least favorite beer styles. I drink them the least. I make them for some reason for me to give them all away, apparently. Um, and then I have a stockpile in my basement full of freaking stouts, too. 
but I, I really don't enjoy drinking them. You know, uh, I don't like that. I can only have a little bit before I'm half in the bag. Uh, and also I just would prefer if I'm going to drink something bigger to be something that has to me more interesting characters like Belgian quads that just have some uh, esters and, and just different characters. And, and I, I like the higher carbonation. I don't like to drink something that is heavy and, um, you know, just doesn't, just doesn't do it for me. That's, uh, yeah, you, that's pretty interesting. You saying that you're not a big fan of stouts, considering how many you brew and how many. <laughs> so that, uh, that caught me off guard. You know, there was a time when I first started brewing, <clears throat> and it probably went on for a couple of years, uh, where it was like the goal was to brew. I think I went an entire year. Every beer I brewed was like nine percent or higher, and. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I've got barley wines and imperial stouts uh, sitting in my basement, some of them six, seven years old, um, because that's not what I actually like to drink. But it was like, that's the thing to brew. Almost like um, how many hops can I throw into this uh, West Coast IPA so I can cook the enamel off your teeth? Like, you know, those trends. But, uh, you know, the style I dislike is... I think it's about this time of year as well as there's a, an Imperial stout aged in various different kinds of Oak that comes in a bottle and each one's got like a different color wax on top. And I forget who makes oh, is that it the thing. eclipse guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's eclipse. Yeah. 30 bucks a bottle, 30 bucks a bottle. Ridiculous. And I've had one, a buddy of mine bought it and we split it and is like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool, but it wasn't anything that I'm going to go for, you know? Yeah, I guess if, if if I'm looking for, you know, I, I really just don't like overly spiced beers, and I feel like they can get out of control pretty quickly. So really, they, and that's going to be anything mass-produced, I feel. You know, anything you get from any of the bigger breweries that has any type of, you know, winter seasonal type deal is, is, is in my eyes, it tends to be overspiced or anything like that, and it, it, it turns me off. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, Sean. Like, I, I think about—is um, it Funky Buddha that does the their maple? It's like one of their maple beers, and it tastes like straight maple syrup. And and it's not that it that it's bad, but it's almost artificial. And I find yeah. that um, there's this appetite to achieve a very specific flavor profile, and they do this a lot with the Christmas beers because you're trying to hit, you know, these Christmas spices. And it almost tastes fake. Like it's yeah. so pungent. Yeah. And, it was the pastry know, stout before pastry stouts were a thing. Yeah, well, in, yeah, yeah. And pastry stouts is always just something totally different. That's that that's put that on one of my least favorite beer styles. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the whole idea that they try to just you know really get it. So when you drink this beer, you're gonna get maple syrup, but to the point that it tastes fake and just processed or whatever whatever garbage they're putting in there, you know, the, what's it called? Other ingredients? No, not other ingredients. Natural flavors. Natural flavors is a thing they put on beers. They do that shit all the time. They do that shit on beer. And then you taste it and you're like, man, this tastes too much like maple syrup. Like it doesn't taste like it's, you know, gone through a fermentation or, or secondary fermentation. There's something just not right. And it just, there there are a lot of um, the pumpkin beers that come out in July nowadays. A lot of those uh, have that, that pumpkin pie spice, but it's so much and it's so fake. Um, it's almost like you don't know how to brew a pumpkin beer unless it has 90 pounds of pumpkin pie spice in it. Um, yeah. Who is it? Who is it? That, so somebody said this, um, and I don't think it was on one of our podcasts. I think it may have just overheard it somewhere, but you know, like uh, pumpkin head from shipyard. Shipyard's uh, the one I'm thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's beer for people that don't like the taste of beer. And some of these, some of these beers are like that. Like, uh, you know, Sean talking about the milkshake IPAs, same idea, right? It's a beer that for people are super sweet, uh, heavy, it doesn't taste like a beer. So, and people love it because of how sweet it is. And those pastry stuff's the same thing. It's beer for somebody who doesn't like the taste of beer. Absolutely. So when, when do you guys, you know, I'm thinking about this too, cause I'm really bad at this, which is being planful in my brewing. I usually plan a beer to brew when I should be drinking it, yeah, <laughs> which is like a horrible strategy, right? Because it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm in August, it's super hot outside. I'm like, oh, I want something really light and refreshing. And then I brew it and I'm drinking it in September and it's starting to get cold outside. And it's like, all right, I didn't, I didn't do that properly. So when you guys, like when you guys, you know, planning to brew these beers and what beers are you guys actually brewing? 
uh, for Christmas time? I think for me, it's more of those, like I said, you know, maybe the, maybe not the big Imperial stouts, but you know, just something rich and roasty with a good body to it. Um, the barley wines, you know, those are, you know, the good nightcap beers and stuff like that. But I, again, I don't do as good as I probably should with it, but I'm thinking that you really got to start, especially something like a barley wine, July, August, just to give it some time. Um, probably, you know, you could probably squeeze it out in the end of October, early November, if you don't plan on it until January, February. But I'm thinking about our local homebrew shops and some of the advertisements that I get in my inbox. And I'm getting advertisement for winter beers in the wintertime. The one that kills me is like a week before St. Patrick's Day. It's the ad for the Guinness clone. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like these guys, you know, I, we get annoyed. We, we, you know, Phil, you poked fun at this a second ago. We, we get annoyed when, uh, you know, the the pumpkin beers hit the shelves in July, right? Uh, but that's the time when homebrew shops and other places should be advertising. Here's the ingredients to make your pumpkin beers so that they'll be ready uh, for August and right. September. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they do a disjustice to educating the homebrewer on when to do this. And I'm, like I said, I'm notoriously bad at it because I'm not thinking about it until I'm being hit in the back of the head saying, Oh, it's getting a little cold outside. I should be thinking about drinking a different beer. Yeah. I think I saw a website and I don't know if it was just one of the, um, you know, one of the standards, like big sites that are linked off of, uh, you know, homebrew talk or something, but it had like a calendar. So if you're bad at planning, uh, and you didn't want to do all the work yourself, it could be like, okay, you know, if you want an Irish red or a Guinness for March, you know, here's when you go look to brew it. If you want your, um, if you want a Doppelbach for Oktoberfest, uh, or if you, if you want a, a Hellas, you know, here's how long you need to lager it and make it. So it gave you like a nice, um, and I'm sure I can find it if I Google around, but it gave you like a nice already pre-made calendar of here's, you know, first week of july go brew this if you want it for this time uh and i kind of tried to set up my year that way and of course you know life gets away from us or you know we change our mind i don't want to brew that skip that one do this one instead but if you do take the time to plan a little bit ahead at least if you got 20 brews planned maybe you can hit 10 of them around the right calendar and you have what you want when you want it or at least stand a better chance to that's kind of where I was going that <clears throat> the first time I tried to brew seasonal beers, I was making these mistakes where I was brewing a, a Imperial stout and I threw Oak chips in it and all that. And I brewed it at the end of October and I wanted to drink it at Christmas time. And the, the flip side too, is it's not just drink it at Christmas time, meaning the 23rd, 24th and 25th. I want to drink that beer in like the week or two, even before that, maybe even really like between Thanksgiving and new year's, that's the kind of Christmas season. Um, but yeah, so now I use a calendar like Dana was saying, and I start planning out my like, uh, summer, uh, lawnmower lager. I brew that in April, so it'll be ready in June. And I'm brewing, uh, um, the, Marzins and the fest beers in in some cases march for for september because i'm crazy uh or you know mid midsummer and i'm brewing my dunkel in july for for october and my christmas beers uh depending on i think it also depends on what it is so i've gotten away from brewing big stouts and whatnot uh and now i'm brewing um more like sessionable porters um, and maybe I'll throw some, uh, maybe this is Bean Porter coming back at me, but I'll throw some coffee into it or, or some, uh, maybe I'll soak some whiskey in, or some oak chips and some whiskey for a little while, throw that in there. But it, it's not a beer that needs to sit around for three or four months. It's something that can be done in four or six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Where I am with in the beer, I'm, I'm, I'm with it, Phil, except that, you know, I'm way too unorganized with young children to have this damn calendar that I manage. So that just like, just doesn't happen. But um, where I'm with you though is, and you know, I like, I, I'm going to call them sessional beers, but I like beers that sit anywhere from that four to 8% range. That's uh, the money spot for me. And, you know, 
this time of year, uh, you know, when the weather gets a little cooler, like give me a dark mild, give me an ESB. Uh, you know, that's a, that's the kind of stuff that I, I can really roll with because um, as the uh, infamous Carl Metzemakers once said, uh, sometimes I like to drink beer, not sip beer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I want to have, uh, you know, seven dark milds instead of uh, a half pour of an Imperial stout. You know, the same kind of thought process is I, I bring beer to friends' houses or to family gatherings at Christmas time. And <clears throat> while I have family members and friends who do like craft beer, a lot of them aren't going to go and drink a 10% beer and they would prefer to have a, a more normal five or six percent beer, and so they're more likely to to drink my beer and probably enjoy it if I do bring that session. Yeah, definitely. All right, so um, final verdict on Christmas beers, yay or nay? You guys are in on them or not? Sure. Uh, depends on what it is. All right, so I mean, uh, th- listen, I can I can see you guys virtually, but the people listening to this can't see the motions that you're making. So you're gonna have to actually say something. Okay. Uh, so Phil. <laughs> Yay or nay for Christmas beers? Yay, but not those big pastry stout bullshit spiced things. I, I I like, we've talked about it, the Belgians, the Porters, that stuff. Dana, what about you? Uh, Christmas seasonal, yes. Christmas spiced, no. And Sean? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the seasonal beers, the, you know, yes, but yeah, those overly spiced beers, I just can't do. Yeah, so basically what those three guys just told you, if you like spiced beers, fuck you, we hate you, <laughs> take that shit somewhere else. Uh, guys, I appreciate the, taking a little bit of time to talk about Christmas beers. Uh, as always, a uh, good time chatting about it. Uh, looking forward to, to getting into a, a beer review and then talking about some other stuff. Thanks. Right, thank you. If you like what you've been hearing on the show, hit that subscribe or follow button on your podcast service. And if you have any ideas or feedback for us, DM us on social media on Instagram at StrikeMashBoil or join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. We'd love to hear from you. All right, time for this week's beer review. Each week we're going to review a beer, but this week we got a twist. Because of COVID and us recording remotely, I couldn't really get a homebrew from anybody. Um, So we're going to judge a commercial beer. But our judges still don't know what that is because I cover the bottles with an epic shit ton of black gaffer's tape. Is that a true statement, guys? There's a shit ton of gaffer's tape on those? Absolutely. That is true. I thought it was, I don't know what it was. I just thought it was like... Crazy custom <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and since this is a commercial beer uh our listeners at home can follow along with us and taste what our judges are tasting so for your ears only and through the joys of post-production editing the beer we are reviewing is allagash white we'll wait while you run to the packy and pick up a bottle or can uh, but now our judges are going to walk through the judging process as if this were a homebrew competition and all they know is the category of the beer 24A wit beer. And uh, in most homebrew competition uh, judging tables, you guys are going to have a BJCP judge. And in this case, that's going to be Dana for us. And then you're going to have a non-ranked judge that usually accompanies them. Uh, And so back from our pilot episode, we have Dana, who's our BJCP certified judge. And joining him uh, is Sean, who isn't certified at all. So you guys have got your score sheets. You've got your beer. Let's get into it. All right. Um... So we're drinking a whip beer, right? 24A. Yeah, um, so what is a, what is a whip beer? Uh, so the overall description of a whip beer is it's a refreshing, elegant, tasty, moderate strength, wheat-based ale. So it's kind of kind of vague, but kind of has good descriptions on there. Um, so it's gonna be not heavy. It's gonna be, you know, usually a summer beer. Um, but not as light as say uh of course i'm blanking on on the light one that's like three percent um but it's not that anyways <laughs> all right uh as far as uh when you have the aroma on this beer uh you're going to be looking for some um some moderate sweet malt aromas grainy wheat uh possibly a little tart um typically uh, you can get a coriander uh aroma with this usually coriander is added to it uh you might get some pepper um, spicy fruitiness, um, orange, uh, usually orange is added as well, uh, quite typically, 
one of my favorite parts of this beer description is it specifically states vegetal celery or ham like aromas are inappropriate because ham type aromas are usually inappropriate no matter what beer you're drinking um uh, and it's supposed to be uh, very well blended as far as any spice, any pepperiness as well uh, that's mixing with the the malt. All right. So uh, cheers, guys. Uh, stick your noses in it. Let's see what this thing smells like, cheers. looks like, and tastes like. I'm definitely getting the, the spicy, the peppery, some citrus. Yeah, definitely picking up some citrus on that. Um, and like I said, it's, it's you know, moderately sweet. It's not going to be you know, overbearing. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely inviting. Am I catching some sulfur in this, or is it me? Um, I get a little bit. I'm not good at picking up sulfur, so that's why it's always good to have another uh, another judge or two with you because they can usually pick up some things that you might not be good at. I feel like nothing is overpowering anything. It's it's all there, but nothing is super in your face. Yeah, pretty harmonizing. Um, as far as the aroma on that one, I'm sorry, the uh, the appearance on that one. Um, it's supposed to be you know either pale straw, light gold. Uh, I'd say this is you know, definitely more of a, a pale strawish color. Um, can be very cloudy. This actually, not that it's clear, uh, but it's not. I wouldn't call it cloudy either. Um, I, I don't know if I got you guys. Pores looks a little bit different from what I can tell on the camera, but um, I mean I can see the shape of my finger through it. Um, you know, again, nothing, nothing egregious or wrong with that though. It just can be that cloudy. Um, and then with the dense white hood head with good retention, which mm. I definitely, um, you know, have, have a good retaining nice white head on that one. Yeah, Dana, help me out. You know, when I'm, again, every time we do one of these, I've got the, mm. you know, 2015 BJCP guidelines in front of me so I can just sort of read along and hear how you're talking about a beer so I can, you know, try to educate myself at the same time because I, I like to get in the mind of a certified judge but when i read some of these things i'm like i don't know what some of this shit is so when they're talking about the head one of the descriptors here is a mousy head what is that yeah so so uh mousy moosey is that M O? so for, for those that aren't reading what i'm reading it's m-o-u-s-s-y which i read as mousy I read it as mousy because I think moose, like I'm a cho eating a chocolate mousse, is like M O U S S E, I think. But it's French, so I couldn't yeah. tell you. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I interpret it as is, you know, moosey mousy is, you know, big, frothy. You know, if, um, similar to if you're having other uh, wheat beers, usually you're going to have a big, nice, long-lasting uh, pillowy. Might be another way to say it. Or when you're whipping up egg whites. You know, so you get that, uh, that airy, big, airy. yeah, that big airiness. What always gets me is, I mean, you you know, you you say the the starch haze. You know, it could be very hazy, it could be slightly hazy, and I'm definitely an unseasoned judge by any stretch. I've actually never really judged, um, but this to me would be very hazy, even though you can kind of see a finger shadow through it per se. I consider like it's it's definitely perception. True, yeah, I mean, and it's and it's far hazier than anything you know, outside of a wheat beer that you'd be expecting. If you got served this for any other style, something's probably wrong. All right, so I'm 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 going back to our word here, and of course I can't help myself but look these things up when we're talking about them. And so um, the definition of what I pronounced as mousy, which I might retract and call it moosey now after reading this. But it's resembling or characteristic of mousse, especially in texture. So of basically, um, you know, that aerated pudding is what they're basically uh, comparing it to. So I, I, that it makes sense, especially with higher carbonated beers, uh, where you'd have that uh, sort of marshmallow type head that sits on the top of it. I, I think that's what they're trying to yeah, that's a good articulate. Yeah, like a big old marshmallow. Yeah. Should we move on to uh, flavor? Yeah, let's uh, let's dig into that. Uh, so the flavor on this one uh, kind of just uh, mirrors what you uh, get from the aroma description: uh, sweet grain, uh, sweet grain malt flavor, um, zesty orange fruitiness. Uh, you might get that from possibly hops, but most likely some orange peel being added. Um, a finish that's crisp, dry. Sometimes can also be tart on that. 
uh, should be getting some bready flavors, um, wheat flavors, you know, low, but present. Um, you might get a little bit of lactic sourness, um, some herbal or spicy flavors from um, most likely the hops, you know, kind of being of a noble variety uh, or um, coriander, if it's added, is obviously going to give you some spice as well. Uh, the hop flavor is usually low to none, uh, and the bitterness, you know, is, is uh, subdued as well, low to low to medium. You know, just kind of enough to to be there, but letting the characteristic additions of uh, coriander, the orange, and the yeast kind of shine through. Can, can I just point something out as I'm sitting here drinking this beer? I um. How do how do I know that we're rookies at this whole podcast thing? We, we just finished fucking talking about how it's Christmas and Christmas beers, and we're doing a wit beer, which is a goddamn summer beer uh, yeah. for our Christmas episode. Guys, we are rookies. This is like holy shit. Who put this together? Yeah, that that's uh, that that would be me. Um, <laughs> epic fail on my part. Jesus, way to call me out. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite enjoying this beer and it, and, and the descriptors, I feel like it's, uh, kind of nailing everything you'd expect from the flavor of the beer. And I'm just sitting here saying to myself, like, it's like 11 degrees outside right now. And this would be perfect if I was mowing my lawn outside in a beautiful hot day. I guess the good thing is, is that we're inside drinking this beer with the heat on. Yeah. Valid. You know, that's a valid point. Well, are Germans known for, um, do they really have like a Christmas profile for beers? Other countries kind of come to mind like Belgium. Um, Absolutely. Of like course a, they do. Yeah, you know, the box, yeah. the double box. Like what, what, what kind of, what oh, you say comes to the top? Yeah, a damp but, beer, which is their version of a steam beer. Oh, uh, okay. Which has some like darker malt characters in there. Which we're getting going totally off the rails, but uh, Phil, yeah. put that one on our list of beers that we might want to consider brewing as a damp beer. Um, and then, yeah, uh, finishing the, the beer off uh, as far as the mouthfeel. Um, should be medium light to a medium body. You know, don't want it overpowering. Um, smooth, creamy finish. Again, that tartness can come in. It can be tart. It's not out of place if that happens. Um, should be highly carbonated with... Uh, Lots of effervescence, as they yeah, like to say. I definitely get that off of this beer. So, yeah, definitely something that is uh, welcome in the summer, but uh, not welcome in the win- not unwelcome in the winter. At least as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm, I'm giving Phil uh, crap for picking this beer, but I basically destroyed this beer. I smashed the entire thing. We're sitting here tasting it. I just drank it. I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even. I'm not tasting. I'm drinking beer tonight, guys. Yeah, good thing we don't have to share. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I'm almost done my, my whole pint. I know. Uh, for, for those that don't know, when you're in a competition setting, uh, you have a 12-ounce bottle that you're splitting. And even then, you're only having like a little two-ounce pour of it. This, I had my my own 12-ounce pour of it, and I've got a half an ounce left because I, in this you know four minutes that we've been talking about it, I've just crushed it. When we've done the first three episodes uh, together as a group, we were following that homebrew competition mindset. So I was giving everybody uh, in little four ounce glasses, uh, like a three, two, three ounce pour, um, because that is what a judge is going to get. A judge is not going to get a whole pint to enjoy. Although I will say it's I mean, you're not going to be able to do this at a competition. You won't be able to judge a pint of every beer that you're tasting because you might be tasting seven, 10, 15 by the end of the day. And, you know, no one wants you filling out a score sheet or, or being there after 15 pints, especially um, after like <laughs> wood beers and Imperial stouts. Exactly. But I mean, that's the tr- I'd say that's the true test of, um, you know, how, how good is a beer, how, you know, give it a fair assessment of, you know, have it all the way through. Um, and then if you don't want another one after that, that's fine, but at least, you know, and if it's a bigger beer, it can warm things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's one of the benefits that we have, you know, not being able to do this all together. At least we get a, a full beer for ourselves. Yeah. So, so Dana, Sean, what are your overall impressions of the beer? From what I've read and from what we've talked about, you know, through, I've got the 15 guidelines in front of me too. Um, I mean, it's hit, it's hit everything pretty much dead on. Um, I'm not noticing anything detectable that would, that would, you know, really knock, knock the score down, you know, 
a lot. Um, it's a very pleasant beer. It's clean. It's refreshing. I would definitely mow my lawn with this beer. Should use a lawnmower instead. Can you put a rim shot in, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> That's that dad humor. That's why you know. That's why Big D is uh, part of the club because he brings our dad humor. Uh, Dana, you tell us what what are your overall impressions? Do we get scores from you guys? Yeah, I'd say pretty much what Sean said sums it up. I mean, it, I mean, we're drinking a commercial beer, which hopefully is made by. Um, if not one of the uh, classic examples should be because it seemed to hit everything as far as all those guidelines we're looking for. The only thing I wasn't really picking up was the possible um, tartness, you know, tart finish. Uh, but again, it's not, it's not mandatory. Um, so that's where the guidelines are always give you a little bit of wiggle room. So maybe you have one maker that makes it tart. Maybe someone doesn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, the overall, I, finished the bottle no problem it was enjoyable uh, hit all the guidelines it's you mean you didn't get that ham-like finish i did not get the ham-like finish and um so before we give any scores i did find out why it says that because there's not many guidelines where it says shouldn't taste like ham um surprising but it says in the comments of the guideline coriander of certain origins may give the celery or ham flavors. Mm. I don't know where you'd get coriander that would taste like celery or ham. <clears throat> I just go to the grocery store and get it. But um, so I guess that's why it's in there. So, All right, so uh, Dana, <laughs> zero to 50. That's uh, uh, a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go just because we always got a little room for improvement, right? I'm going to go for 45. That still puts mm-hmm. us in the outstanding category. Mm-hmm. Sean? That's pretty much where I was at, not having ever really picked a score for a beer. Um, really more this, I know you guys wanted scores from me, but this was more of kind of a, a learning session for me with just listening to the way that Dana talked through the beer. Um, I, I would definitely put it in the outstanding category. So, yeah, 45, 46. Okay, now the burning question is: is, do you guys know what beer this is? I do not. You guys want to take a guess? Come on, yeah, like, I'm extra points if you can guess what beer we poured for you guys. Well, not that we poured, that we blacked out the bottle that you poured for yourselves. With the shape of the bottle, <laughs> I'm going to go I, for Allagash. Okay, Sean, what do you think? As soon as you said it, that just jumped. It's that's the, even if I tried to think of something else, that wouldn't. It wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to come up with it. All right, you guys nailed it. That is Allagash wow. White, which is absolutely a classic example of twenty four A wood beer. Yeah, everything they make is is great. And uh, yeah, I just I didn't even think of it until you like asked. I was like, "Well, the bottle is kind of stubby." Like, was, some mind, so I was about to try to start peeling the gaffer's tape off camera just to see <laughs> if I can get it. Now, what's great? I mean, so that's that's twenty four A wood beer. You guys got it, and. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the folks listening to this, it's a beer that's pretty readily available anywhere you can buy beer. So uh, hopefully you guys can get out there and give it a taste and uh, follow along with your uh, BJCP guidelines and uh, see if you guys got the same thing these guys did. Dana, Sean, again, appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, guys, for jumping in. Hey, pleasure as always. All right. So this week, uh, we're going to talk to you guys about the MVHBC homebrew advent calendar and um, how you could put one on yourself if you wanted to have one either with your buddies or uh, with your homebrew club. Uh, So uh, since Dana has been the instigator over the years, uh, he's going to be here to talk to us about um, how he's implemented the advent calendar program here in, in our club MVHBC. Dana, uh, welcome back uh, again, uh, just sticking through on our Christmas episode with us. Uh, Sean's here to chat with us too, but um, so so let's talk homebrew advent calendar. You know, we want to get through just the process. Where'd you come up with this idea uh, and, and how did it get started for us? So I found it on uh, Reddit and um, I do forget the club that initially posted it, but actually it's Somewhere in our Facebook, actually, I still have the link. So I could get there at some point and find out who did it. But, uh, yeah, they talked about doing the advent calendar. A couple um, clubs have you know, probably done it before as well. And just the idea of it, when I saw it, I was like, hey, you know, we've got a lot of members in our club. Sounds like a fun idea. Let's put it out there. I talked to Marco at one of our meetings and said, hey, how about this? And, you know, as 
most things happen at meetings. You, you kind of mentioned it during the middle of all this craziness happening. And then by the end, you probably forget. So, you know, kind of think a couple of weeks went by and I was like, I just posted it on the, the club page and I was like, Hey Marco, if, you know, if this is, you don't like it too bad, yell at me later, but uh, this is what I was talking about. We're going to do it. Um, and he was like, no, great. You know, if, if you want to put that out there, uh, if you want to be in charge of it, take the reins, sounds good. Go ahead. And then it was, that was born. That was uh, 2018 was the first year we did it. Yeah, you, you see how you threw in my little strategy there. I'm like, oh, great, you posted it now. You can run with it and manage that shit because it's all you. That's that was the that was the plan. That's the way to do it. So, um, yeah, it worked out. That was the first year we did it. Uh, we got 24 beers. Uh, we did it again uh, the 2019 because we liked it. Um, this year, we um, are obviously doing it again. And uh, even thanks to Phil, we incorporated um, uh, the Christmas in July and did it kind of, we didn't get 24, you know, because of the middle of the year and, you know, it's COVID, so everyone's schedules are all over the place. But uh, we managed, I think it was 15, 15, 17, 17, 17 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, I mean, still a pretty good haul for the middle of summer, too. So for our listeners out there, um, maybe wanting to do one of these for themselves, when would you get started for a, a uh, advent calendar when would you start planning this oh geez uh if <laughs> i mean if you can plan far enough ahead it's always a good idea maybe very beginning of the year you know people wind down from the holidays let's face it i think everyone when they're going through the advent calendar says oh man i'm gonna make like something big and i'm gonna age it for a year and i'll be ready for next year and, and nobody ever does it yeah, because we're we're all pretty bad at planning. So I think if maybe once the holidays die down, if you can remind people in January, hey, Advent, you know, next year, you know, get get your beers ready, might put the the bug in somebody's ear. Um, but usually, you know, to be honest, uh, you're looking like end of summer or even maybe midsummer. Like, hey guys, you know, we're getting you know halfway point in the year. Maybe start getting those recipes ready. And then you're really getting people to get in line by, you know, September, October at the latest, really, with with an idea of are you going to be in or not? If so, great. If you haven't brewed, plan that brew day so you know when to bottle it. If you're carving it in the bottle, if you're carving it off the keg, because, uh, I mean, if you're drinking a beer on December 1st, you can't be bottling on November 31st and expecting, you know, people to pop it open the next day necessarily. Yeah, we, we have guys that push the limits, right? I mean, wasn't it, if I remember correctly, um, you know, it was like a week before, a week, maybe maybe it was, maybe it was two weeks before. Oh, I think it was 13 days. That, that, that number stands out to me. 13 days before we were starting the advent calendar, somebody had posted on our web, uh, on Facebook, brewing my advent beer. It was 13 days before we were collecting beers for this thing. And I, I don't know if it was... Dana, if it was you, if it was Phil, that was like uh, kind of a little close there, buddy. Like guys, uh, you know, literally, these, yeah. what you're talking about reminders and and you know, it, this isn't a set it and forget it kind of thing that you had to do. It's like you got to throw it out there early in the year, remind people throughout uh, because you never know what's going to happen in 2020. The world caught on fire, yeah. and, uh, and then all of a sudden, we had all these guys that said I was we were in, and then you had you even had to account for you know, people that circumstances changed and couldn't even contribute a beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, you know, Sean's with us. I know Sean planned on putting something in and like most of yeah. us, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, and he's like, oh. yeah, this year got, it got away from me. So this year what I was a, planning. What a and... dick move. Dan. <laughs> Fuck. Like, yeah. holy, the guy is here to contribute to the conversation. You're like, Hey, who can I put on blast? Nah, you know, no, let me take on. this off me. I want to put Sean on blast. God, what an That's asshole. Okay. Okay. I deserve Phil, it. Do nah. not cut this. This should not be cut from the, the oh, pod. No, make that... sure this makes it on it. God damn it, Dana. See, that, well, this is what I'm saying is, you know, Sean, uh, I, I mean, 18 was two years ago, kind of forgetting. I know he was in uh, 19. I know he was in the summer. I know he had every yep. intention of being in this one. And, hey, sometimes, you know, shit comes up and it, and it messes up your schedule and you really wanted to be in there. And it's like, ah, crap. So. I'll, no, I'll get into it. I mean, my it, mine was legitimately just laziness and unmotivated to, to actually get off my ass and brew. Right, maybe you should have. All right, good. I'm and, glad and, you put him on blast. You know what? Yo, sure. fuck you, Sean. You didn't and, and, and I, well, hey, I could. I, it's either that or I could put in something subpar that I just kind of whipped together. Well, how's that, that different than any other year, Sean? 
you know it's it's getting a little late you know getting a little cranky we had that allagash white you know it's, it's starting to hit me a little bit i'm getting a little comfortable you know that's just, just how it happens you know what marco happens when he has too many whites yeah you know you know those five percent beers they get right to me 12 ounces of five percent beer and that's it it's a wrap but bringing it back to planning, I think that's a good point that um, you, you said December 1st that you can't just assume that your beer is going to be, uh, you know, later in the month. You, you, you've you got to exchange all these beers at some point. So you really do have to be ready probably by Thanksgiving to be, to be perfectly honest to do it to an exchange for uh, get everybody drinking on the first. Yeah, it definitely has to be in by then. I know that. And I know that's something that we've dealt with in the past for the past few years was people asking for later days in the month. Yeah. Because they're bottle because, conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> bottle conditioning or for whatever reason. And I was one of those people. I mean, I'm notorious for doing that shit. So um, I, when I filled out my sheet, I, I told Dana that I needed one of the later days in the month because uh, I knew I was going to depend on uh, carbonation doing its thing in the bottle. And we've had still beers too. We have yeah. some of them from me, actually. I've, I've been that guy, you know. Just, you, you take a chance, you know. You do. What you, I've done that yeah. for competition too. It's just not not the greatest uh, strategy, but it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I think last year well. we had like like two, like one still beer and two like very undercarbonated beers. I think people were pushing yeah. it to last minute. So and that's why we're trying the... to get them on top. We've had the opposite where we've had super overcarbonated <laughs> beers, the open over your sink beer. Yeah. Keep that one yeah. in the freezer until you need to open it. Those are fun to see in the group, you know. Put, you know, hey be get, guys, be careful when you open this beer today. Definitely go over the, you know, over the sink. <laughs> you know, that's you know, uh, what the way that I think about the advent calendar program for the club is it is an opportunity where guys experiment a little bit. It reminds me, um, and obviously at a different level, but it reminds me a little bit of of extreme beer fest where people, when they do plan uh, to make a beer for the advent calendar, they're usually trying to come up with something interesting and unique that they want to share with the guys. And so a, a lot of times, like, I don't want people to think like, holy crap, these guys got a bunch of shit beers in their advent calendar. Cause yeah. we're talking about still beers and bottle bombs and all that stuff. But what, what's great about it is, uh, and, and you guys, um, you know, have heard us talk about it before and you'll continue to hear us talk about part of the, uh, greatness of Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club is we're about education and development and learning and teaching. And the best way to get that is through feedback. So these guys say, hey, I'm going to try something different. And I know that I'm going to get, you know, 18, 19, 20 guys to try this beer. I'm going to get lots of really good feedback. So a lot of times you get those experiments, they don't work out, but they're getting a lot of valuable feedback for it. And I think it's great. I love that um, about the advent calendar. I like it on the ass on that same aspect. You know, you go to one of the meetings every, you know, once a month, we, you know, we try to do our meetings and we go through our full tasting, you know, section and you got a lot of guys trying an ounce or two of the beer, you know, just a little splash just to, you know, get everybody to try it. We all vote on the beer of the day, but at the end of the day, even with Dana saying, going back to the, um, to the judging portion was, you know, sometimes you really want to sit down and enjoy a full beer to really understand it, to really be able to speak to it. So it's, you, you get a lot of, and, and even when we're at the meetings, I'm talking to a group of two or three people. I'm not necessarily roaming around and talking to every single person about my beer while they're drinking my beer. So things get lost. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I think we've had a, a bit of a trouble with, a little bit of trouble with is, uh, you know, we do have 40 people or thereabouts in our club, but it has been tough to get uh, all all 24 beers uh, filled out. Not everybody is brewing all the time. Um, you know, folks like Sean uh, outright get lazy and, and blow us <laughs> off. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, some of the ways we've kind of gotten around that a little bit is... Uh, we have uh, some people who are a little crazier uh, who will brew two beers and submit both. Uh, this round that we're, we're in the middle of right now, I, I think uh, Mike Switzer, uh, who we had in the first couple episodes of the show, uh, he brewed three beers. And so uh, we, we definitely have some ambitious uh, people who help us fill out to a full 24. But that, that could be a problem if, if you institute this yourself, um, just trying to get to 24 beers. 
Yeah, it's not always the the easiest. I mean, we do have a pretty a pretty good roster of uh, of people, and that are usually fairly consistent brewers. Um, you know, on a normal year, yeah, stuff is going to come out come up, and it does get a little tougher around the holidays when the advent calendar is is at its time. Um, so that's why if you can plan to brew ahead, even if you're not brewing a big beer, if you just brew something, bottle it up, set it on the counter, uh, that's why it's going to be beneficial because, yeah, if you're trying to do something, you know, mid mid-November, you're getting ready for the holidays, you get Thanksgiving maybe, uh, you know, maybe work's busy. You know, who, who the hell knows what's going on? So it does get tough. Um, but, you know, but... The, you said it, though. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big beer. And we have had runs where we've had like seven or eight big 10% beers in a row. And then somebody comes along with a, a 4 or 5% like ESB or mild or pale ale. And it's like, thank freaking God. Yeah, you need to. And then if you can like... Um, what we like to try and do if we can is kind of curate that now that we have gone through after the first year is kind of just like pick a number, whatever you want is what you get. Like Marco's right. like, all right, I want this number. And I'm like, I want this number. Great. And whatever number your, your number is, you know, cause it's an advent calendar for those who aren't aware of what an advent calendar is. I think a lot of people do, but I didn't know what one was until I was like in my mid twenties um, is you know, normally it's like Definitely. chocolate or, toy or something. Yeah. No. So like each, you know, on December 1st, you open up your little door or whatever, and you get might get a little chocolate treat or a little toy. Uh, and then the second, the second door gets opened up. So December 1st, if you're a beer one, that's the beer we're drinking. That's December 2nd, number two. So we didn't really plan that part. I mean, it was probably in, in the post that I stole. They probably mentioned that. But so we're drinking 10% barley wines on a Tuesday night. Um, we're drinking, you know, Saturdays we're having like a mild, uh, so probably wasn't in the best order. So now that we're no, okay, maybe a giant beer, save that for the weekends, you know, kind of midweek beers, if we can get them, get them more to the midweek or at least to divide up, you know, so you don't have five barley wines in a row type situation going on. But we do take uh, into account people's requests for an early date because they brewed an IPA or a late date because they're Marco and they need a, a little more time on bottle conditioning. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's not like we just arbitrarily assign the numbers. We Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you have no preference, like, hey, it's in the bottle, it's a you know medium beer, it's good to go whenever. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll put you in as a filler around the other people. But yeah, if you have if you have a need, um, you know, for that early beer, that late beer, definitely, you know, get you in wherever you need to be. So on the organization side, um, you know, I think when we got started a couple of years ago, we, we were using uh, like a Google sheet. And now we've gotten into using Google Forms. Um, you know, that really does help with the organizational side. Oh, it does. Um, you're, you're the one who started the, the Google Forms. Other than that, it was uh, before. Hold uh, on one sec. Dana is uh, talking to one of his family members right now. For those uh, listening at home, that's the uh, pause. He's shaking his head like we weren't going to call him out on it or anything. Were you, were you guys getting all the, uh, the the dishes sounds in the background? No, no, not at all. All right. So, it's... Well, I saw one fly across the room and almost hit you. What did you do to make the wife unhappy? No, she just puts away the dishes. I was like, oh, can you, like, we'll take care of that later. Because um, she's Ooh, like, that, that sounds like somebody's in trouble. Make a lot of noise. So, and like I said, my mic picks it up a lot. So, um, what was the question? Uh, Google Forms. Google yeah. So, before that, so Phil was actually the first one to use the Google um, like survey form um, to actually collect all that info. Before it was like, all right, you know, Sean, what's your beer? Marco, what's your beer? Send it to me on like, you know, a text message or, or you know, Facebook Messenger or whatever. And I just, copy and paste it, stick it in a you know, the Word document or Google document. And um, it was a lot, it wasn't necessarily a lot of work, but the forms make it a lot easier uh, to deal with because it's everyone kind of just like, tell me what your beer is, put your details in, put your name in, great, everything's there. Uh, so if you're tech savvy, um, not that it's, yeah, it's not that very hard. savvy, but you can go ahead and um, and do that. So when you're planning for that for next year. Yeah, so now um, once it's all planned, you got everybody's beers put together, now it's time to do the beer exchange. And uh, in a normal year, that is relatively easy. This year was a little tougher because we had to do uh, our beer exchange uh, social distanced in a parking lot. Um, 
basically everybody pulled up their cars into a giant empty mall parking lot and uh we uh circled the wagons and and went from there but in a normal year what we we would uh meet up at a meeting yeah pretty much just we'd plan the meeting for november to be and and thanksgiving always kind of throws throws it off because we meet on saturday so it's like all right saturday after thanksgiving usually doesn't work for people so Usually to kind of be in mid-month, it, you might be able to get a Saturday in after for Thanksgiving before, you know, because you got to get that beer to you before December 1st. So on a normal year, yeah, our meetings usually fall out pretty good. COVID times makes, makes a little bit more of a challenge, but, you know, nothing that we couldn't work around. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add that um, I, I kind of led the Christmas in July because I was feeling very stir-crazy and we hadn't had meetings and so I hadn't had a chance to try anybody's beer. Um, so I, I led the initiative to do a, a Christmas in July and then we did have a meeting. And so that was our exchange date. And I did not take some of the care into organizing that exchange as much as Dana has. And it was, I would say it's a shit show. Sean, you hosted that meeting. How much beer did. did you have left over that people didn't? And how is it have. possible? Like, how, that's I the part understand. I haven't figured out yet. Somehow I ended up with two full cases of extra beer and, and everybody beer. everybody that contributed contributed walked away yep. with a case yeah. so how the hell that happened i don't think everybody did walk away with a case uh, there were definitely people and who I were st- missing beers i still have a lot of those beers sitting in the fridge <laughs> well we know one I, I, one member uh, one member didn't contribute like didn't bring their beer right so that was mm-hmm. an extra case um, Yep, that was John. an extra. But um, yeah, John. well, let's put. All right, fine. Let's just do it. We'll we'll, we'll do this. Put him on blast. John Canoli didn't uh, contribute his beer. Uh, we gave him so much shit for it. Why, we might as well just do it on the podcast too. Uh, but um, so so that's one case. Was there somebody else that didn't? Yeah, there, I think it was like Bobby ended up with like two or three of the same beer, um, something like that. So it, I did not organize that right. Uh, the Dana, why don't you tell us how you've done it? over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, and, and last year we had like a weird issue too. We had the meeting at my house and we were doing the swap on the way out. Somebody, had, I think it was TJ ended up with like three of the same beer. I'm like, how do you end up with three of the same beer? Like they all have like a number on the top and it's, Oh, um, well, TJ but, can't really count very well anyway. So yeah. like holy engineering. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's baffling. Like it's such a simple task, get one of every number put it in your box, bring yeah. it home. Like <laughs> only we could fuck that up. Well, in that meeting at my house, I mean, we've got plenty of space. We had basically every box laid out in theory, like in a line in a row. So you pick one, you move to the next box, you pick the next one, yeah. you go to the next box. And you put it in the I, slot I, in your box that represents yeah. the number. Like I literally. Yeah. Close yeah. So if someone doesn't have a case and we've had that issue before. Oh, that's the other one. Like homebrewers don't like to. To put their beer in a friggin' twenty-four case, they have to have a a twelve pack and a plastic bag. And I don't yeah, know. if you do this home uh, advent calendar yourselves, do not just roll up with a Target bag full of loose beer bottles. That is not the way to roll. Yeah, get yourself a case. You know, empty the beers out, put them in your fridge, bring the empty case to the meeting. Yeah, these uh, are public service announcements. Everybody, yeah. anybody listening to this that is going to do this, that. like learn from the bullshit that we are talking about because there's but some garbage that happens out there. It doesn't matter how many times we say bring a case. There's always somebody who doesn't. Yeah, at least one. Well, because there are definitely a few guys in the club uh, that will just do that to be assholes anyway. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, yeah. just like, hey, Phil said you got to bring a case. I, I think I have this Target bag that's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I'll th- I'll throw myself under the bus. I'm a, one of those dicks who can can his own beer. So I bring cans. And, of course, that means I have beer flats. I don't have actual cases. So it's a shit show for me trying to fit 24 <laughs> oh, fucking bottles. Oh, woe is me, Mr. October Can Seamer. I know. Like, mm. oh, oh, no. God, oh, man. I got I to gotta have my canned beer. Woe but is if, me. If you also can your beer, uh, beer flats don't work either. That's uh, That's a rough ride on the way home from from a meeting yeah and if you're a can seamer you know how we feel about you already yeah yeah so um i think we've pretty much covered everything but uh the last bit is you know we mentioned it before was feedback um so we use our facebook group 
uh, for all these uh, posts. So, so the other part of this whole thing is nobody knows what the beer is except for Dana until the day of. Um, yeah. So yeah, we uh, and the Facebook. Uh, it's definitely great to use for the feedback and the updates. Um, so what'll happen is yeah, every every morning, you know, starting December first, we roll up. I, I post the beer of the day, um, you know, because I'm I'm at work by six. So you know, if, if if you're up before me, then you know, screw it. You can wait until I post it. But uh, if you need to know what the beer is before six a.m., you have a different issue. So what kind of details do you post? So we're posting the, um, as long as it's provided a name, uh, the style of beer, uh, any special ingredients, because like Marco said, a lot of times um, myself, uh, some other brewers will take this as an opportunity to kind of maybe do something a little bit unique uh, with the beer. So anything that might be different. Uh, and then, hey, maybe it's just an ESB, but maybe it's a, a stout with, you know, cocoa nibs and coconut and whatever. So we put that. So that's kind of the post on the day on the club page. And then when everyone gets home from work, you know, does their drinking for that day, or even if they happen to, um, you know, we got some people that don't have a, a set schedule, so they might not be able to drink the beer on that day when most of us are. Uh, so they're um, catching up on the weekend or something like that. So we'll go back and they can just add to that day when they end up drinking that beer. Uh, but that way you get that real time feedback. Okay, I'm, I'm beer number three. You know, here's my beer. Uh, you're looking on that. You know, when you're drinking it throughout the night, hey, here's what Marco said about my beer. Here's what Sean said about my beer. Uh, so you get that feedback. And like we said earlier in the episode, you know, someone's drinking a whole bottle of it. They're getting to really evaluate it. Um, whereas it might be a little different from a meeting where you're not having that small sample size and just being like, yeah, it's good or eh, need some work. You can really give like, Hey, I like this beer, you know, give me this recipe or, um, I like what you did. Not really, you know, not really my forte. And you can get to give a bit more feedback and it's, it's always non-confrontational, but everyone's really looking for as much feedback as they can get. And it gives people time to, to give a good, a, you know, a good description of what they're tasting, what they're liking, what they're not liking. Um, so that brewer can really, you know, take it back and, and, do whatever they want with it. Take it to and, heart. And some beers uh, lend themselves better to buy the pint versus the one or two ounces we have in our meetings. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of them are like, wow, I, I mean, I wish I had a second or third one of these. And other ones are like, you know, one is more than enough because it's so big. Um, but yeah, so you definitely need a little bit more than that, that two or three ounces for a lot of these beers to, to give a to really shine yeah yeah let it let it shine and, and give that um give that feedback and just really enjoy i mean hey it's it's december we all need a little bit of a break right yeah especially this True story <laughs> so if you are out there listening um you can hit up our uh, uh public facebook group and uh see some of these beers that we're talking about uh you can also go hit up our instagram page at mvhbc and and we post photos and uh, descriptions of all these beers there as well so if you kind of want more of a visual of what we're talking about uh, go hit up our social media you can see what we're up to yeah i forgot phil phil has always been on um, photo duty so yeah, we'll put the description of what the beer is, but then Phil will take that nice picture of of the the beer poured, uh, you know, Christmas lights in the background. So it actually does much better service than you know someone taking one with their crappy camera phone and posting it up for what the beer they had. So I mean, we get those too, but oh yeah, yeah Phil yeah. Phil always leads it off for the day with uh, you know, later in the evening for what that quality picture should look like. So, what if? Uh, somebody out there is trying to put together something like this. What if uh, you can't get 24 beers? What if, uh, you know, your, your club's full of delinquents and, uh, and you can't get all the way there? Uh, I mean, you got a couple different options. You can, you know, if you get 12 people, you can double up, right? Um, you know, if everyone wants to make two, uh, maybe you get, like, like we did in July, you get 17. Yeah, you just roll with it. Either start December first and go to the seventeenth, or um, you know, you go from you have December twenty fourth be your final day, and you go back to uh, whatever, whatever that would be the twelfth, ninth, eighth, you know, sure. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, I believe you told me this before is uh, you can do the uh, twelve days of Christmas. You know, everyone loves that song. You get twelve beers together. Yeah, it's it's. Just it's the variety. It's not necessarily the number. If you can hit twenty-four, it just happens to be the perfect number of you know beer bottles in a case. 
So it kind of works out for us as well as a standard advent, but um, you, know, you don't have to be you know, beholden to that. You can do eight crazy beers, you know, celebrate Hanukkah. There you go. I didn't thought of that. The other thing we haven't really, we haven't luckily had the issue of is getting too many people. Yeah. yeah. That's a, then you got to pick and choose. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem not to have. Good. I mean, but then, I mean, let's face it. If we get over, you know, next year, if we get 30 people committing to one single beer each, we'll make it happen. We'll just start early or we'll just go December 1st to 30th. Well, you start working on collaborations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's plenty of ways to work around it. No one's going to ever say no to extra beer, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody says no to extra beer. All right, guys. Well, we have been doing the advent calendar for uh, you know a few years, and as uh, Phil mentioned in the beginning of the show, it really is one of the highlights of the club for the year. Um, so thanks, Dana. Thanks, Sean, uh, for joining us. And uh, I think we've got you guys scheduled for a few weeks from now. So uh, looking forward to uh, catching back up with you guys soon. All right. Can't wait. All right, fellas. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. And uh, so for once, we've planned ahead. Uh, next week, the show is going to have Patrick and Stephen joining us. And we're going to talk about making a hard cider. Uh, Steven's a bit of a character, and it, uh, hopefully it's going to be a ton of fun with him. So uh, looking forward to that with some uh, good details on all things cider. Um, and with that, you know, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time on Strike Mash Boil. The Strike Mash Boil podcast is produced by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, an American Homebrewers Association sanctioned club. Follow us on Instagram at MVHBC. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. And check out our website at MVHBC.com. part i'm sorry guys that's okay keep going all right dana do you uh, have a, do you have the stuff next to you uh the like the description of the yeah the, yeah i'm just kind of always trying to all right so that was well, you just made the blooper real i just want you to know okay that. <laughs> that's, that's fine phil sorry i i, I had so your name cut off i didn't realize that was uh, your closing to do that's okay <laughs>